uh, called me during his workout routine as he was on the treadmill. It was kind of funny. And uh, he said, I've got a word for you. So I was listening, my ears perked up, and he said, it's not going to be your strength. It's not going to be in your own power and ability. It's going to be a work of his spirit. <clears throat> he went on to talk to me for about 45 minutes, and I just listened. I'm going to be very honest. What Pastor Ben was saying to me was so encouraging. I knew God was using him to speak to me, but also I needed to share that encouragement with you as we kick off this series regarding prayer. You see, prayer is going to be, it's not is, it's going to be the fuel and the fertilizer for any vision or mission or mandate that flows from this house. You see, prayer is not just for a, su a, a, a few select folks in the church. Many times when we think about prayer ministry, we think of, you know, four or five elderly women praying in the church, right? But how many know prayer is for everybody? It's the lifeline for every believer. Bill Hybels said this in his book, Too Busy Not to Pray. He said, prayerless people cut themselves off from God's prevailing power. And the frequent result, and you tell me if anybody has ever felt like this in church. The frequent result is feeling overwhelmed, overrun, beaten down, pushed around, and defeated. Surprising numbers of people are willing to settle for lives like that. How many know real life church is not going to settle for a life like this? We're not settling for a prayerless life. We are going to develop a life of prayer at this church. Not just a prayer ministry, but a life of prayer. Don't be one of them, Heibel says. He says prayer is the key to unlocking God's prevailing power in your life. I don't want to be a church that has a prayer ministry as one of many options on the menu. I desire to be a church of prayer. That everything we do before we do is bathed in prayer. You see, you can do a lot of things and never really do what the Lord is calling you to do. Jesus quoting the prophet Isaiah in chapter 56 and verse 7 as he cleanses the temple. In Matthew 21, it says this, Then Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the table, tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he said to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer. But you have made it a den of thieves. Notice Jesus didn't say, my house shall be called a house with prayer. No, he clearly said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. The word of, listen, is an indicator of origin. The temple Jesus was cleansing had gotten off track. It had drifted from its Origin, its original design, its original plan, its original purpose. So much so that the leaders were robbing God's people instead of blessing God's people. 
Even when the church, listen, has good intentions, if they are not God's intentions, we are robbing people of God's blessing and purpose. And not only are we robbing the church of God's blessing and purpose, we are robbing the community of God's blessing and purpose. The enemy would like us to do nothing more than to do what what God's not calling us to do. That's why when it comes to ministry that flows from real life church, it has to originate from a place of prayer if we're going to experience maximum impact. That's why I'm calling this entire church. I hope we can fill it up. 90 seats in the theater. I hope we have to overflow into the main auditorium. I'm calling the entire church, listen, to get God's mind and God's heart for that community. I really sensed in my heart that we needed to focus on prayer because everything we do as a church going forward needs to originate from the secret place. The secret place is a place of asking God first about what he wants to do, not telling, not telling him what we're going to do. The secret place is a place of seeking God first, not last. It's a place of knocking on doors to see what God will open to us instead of forcing doors to open. I was at the Artisan this week talking to Pastor Tyler and in walked, it was a divine, it was funny, as soon as he left, Pastor Tyler said, he said, that was a divine appointment. The city councilman walked in and got an oatmeal. Listen, God is connecting us with business leaders and community leaders in that community for a reason, for a purpose. It wasn't by accident. Matthew 7, verses 7 and 8 says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who receives, uh, for everyone who asks, receives, and he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. I know I've said this many times to you as a church already, but I'm going to continue to trumpet it. We can't operate from a place where we are constantly asking God to bail us out by blessing the plan we came up with on our own. Now again, I'm a strategy guy. If you've read my blog, which I haven't written because the Lord hasn't released me in several months to write, I know you guys are laughing because he's like, it's all out of date, man. You need to get that updated, right? I'm a strategy guy. I'm a structure guy. I'm a leader who likes to build things. But I've learned over the years that I must yield to the master builder. When I was a youth pastor in my 20s, I had this amazing spiritual gift. You guys might be familiar with it. It was called getting ahead of God. It's the 10th gift of the Holy Spirit. I'd get an idea... And I'd implement it right away. It was amazing because sometimes it would work. But I learned about a year, uh, about a year, just because about a year into it, just because something's working doesn't mean he's working it. You see, I had this incredible outreach called the Rock House. It literally went countywide there in Sonoma County. Several hundred teens would gather on a monthly basis to hear the gospel. The problem was the outreaches were costing me personally about $500 per month. The problem with that is I was only making $1,500 a month. (laughs) 
You're not laughing, either was I. <laughs> you see, the ministry outgrew my budget very quickly, but I didn't put it on pause. A long story short, I didn't arrive at my destiny, but I did accrue a lot of personal debt. I learned way back then that God was trying to get me to slow down so he could catch up. Without prayer, so many times we get the cart ahead of the horse. We get ahead of God instead of allowing God to lead. Romans talks about sons and daughters, listen, being led by God. I just gave you the youth ministry update with Pastor James. I was determined to get a plan before he left, let me tell you. I had meetings. I had three meetings. And when I had the third meeting, I just heard the Lord said, you need to wait. You need to bless Pastor James and honor them as they, as they go to their next destination. And so I put everything on freeze mode. The, the people that I talked to, I said, hey, I'm just putting everything at pause. I'm not saying anything. I'm not talking to anybody except God and getting his heart. And that's how we arrived at this situation. One of the amazing things, listen, how many know we can, when we get ahead of God, we can mess things up. Amen. We can get people mad at us, right? It gets all messy. But listen, with God's timing, what was amazing when I went back to these people, everybody was excited about what the direction that we were going. Amen. Over the last several weeks, as I've stepped in to lead this church forward, I've been comforted by the voice of another friend of mine. Pastor Mark Tucker, who said this to our staff one time when I was at New Life over there in Fair Oaks. He said, don't overestimate what God can do through you in one year, but don't underestimate what God can do through you in five years. You see, God's not running out of time. The devil is. Revelation says he knows that his time is short. God controls the timeline of real life church. We don't have to be in a hurry. We can be patient because we know what patience produces. It produces healthy faith. This morning, I wanted to start this series with something that probably affects our prayer life negatively more than anything else, and yet it is commonly overlooked in developing a healthy life of prayer, and that is our perception of who God is. I'm laying a foundation this morning to where we're going in building a healthy life of prayer. You see, most people feel inadequate and, and or intimidated when it comes to prayer. Especially, listen, in Pentecostal and charismatic circles. You guys know what I'm talking about? You walk into a prayer room and it's like, shotasaha. You know, it's loud, it's exciting, it's boom. But somebody who's never experienced that type of prayer is like, what's up? What's going on in here? <clears throat> so a lot of people are either feel inadequate or intimidated when it comes to prayer. Most of us are in one of these three categories. The first one is praying is hard. In other words, when it comes to your prayer life, you don't enjoy it, you just want to get through it. My best friend who was here last week, Kevin Forehand, he lived with our family right after high school, and Kevin had gotten radically saved, like I said, and he was, he was about a year ahead of me uh, in developing his relationship with the Lord, and I, we shared a bedroom, my small bedroom, he, he slept on the floor, I slept in my bed like a 
great guests would have you do. And, uh, and I remember Kevin getting up early in the morning. And I remember just listening to him pray. And it was like 15 minutes, and he'd pray for 15 minutes. And I'm like, man, how is he praying for so long? I mean, his prayers were beautiful. They were eloquent. And it was like he was just having this conversation. And then I would try the same thing, and it felt like my prayers were bouncing off the ceiling. Anybody ever been there? Some of us, we feel like, you know, when I, when I say prayer, we're calling everyone to prayer to the artist, and everyone's like, ah, probably not going to see me there, pastor. Why? Because some of us feel like, I just got to get through it so I can get to my day. Secondly is, we hardly pray is the category of the person that hardly prays. You know you should pray, but you really haven't taken the time to develop your prayer life. The disciples themselves were in our shoes, and out of all the things they could have asked Jesus, they asked him, Jesus, will you teach us how to pray, which we're going to hit on in the coming weeks. And then lastly, there's that third category that I mentioned earlier, that there's those that you just love to pray hard, that you only know how to pray once. It's loud and proud, right? You're radical when it comes to prayer, and people run to you when they need prayer because they know you can pray them through. Can I encourage you this morning? Can I encourage you this morning? God wants to raise the level, listen, of our prayers as a house, as a church. Let me give you three areas we need to nail down in order to build our lives around prayer. Number one is our view of God. Our view of God. Deuteronomy 1.26 says, Nevertheless, you would not go up, but rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. Listen to verse 27. And you complained in your tents and said, Because the Lord hates us. He has brought us out of the land of Egypt to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. How many know they had a misconception of God? You see, your misconceptions about God's character will create a God, small g, you can't draw close to. You see, I have friends that I've invited to the church, and you may have too, that truly believed if they walked in the back doors, the roof would fall in. Have you ever heard somebody say that? You invite them to church and say, man, I can't go to your church, man. The roofs would cave in. <clears throat> or you may have been a believer all your life and catch yourself saying things like, I wish God would bless me like him. I wish God would speak to me like that. I wish God would hear my prayers and perform miracles like he does for her. You see, your view of God will either limit or loosen your prayer life. And I just felt like this morning as we were worshiping, there were going to be some folks in here that got loose in their prayer life. Here are some common misconceptions when it comes to our image of God. Number one, we, we fall in this thing that God is far away. This is what we call the, ab, the absentee landlord God. God is never around when you need him. He's responsible for setting the universe in order, but rarely comes back to check on his tenants. People that often share this view often believe that God does not have time for them. It was interesting because this absentee landlord God, my sister's plumbing backed up two, two days ago. And she had called the property manager 
the, uh, she called the property manager the emergency line and was hold, on hold for 38 minutes. <clears throat> it took over 20. Now, the toilets were backed up. The pipes were backed up. I mean, if, if she didn't know that I lived down the street, she'd be in trouble or have to go to Starbucks or something like that to use a restroom, right? You feel like that that would be urgent or important enough for the landlord to get a solution very quickly. <clears throat> it took over 24 hours to get them to fix that issue. Listen, some of us, listen, we feel like we're on hold for 38 minutes and it's an emergency. You feel like God is absent. Listen, that he's not hearing your problems. Let me say that's the furthest thing from the truth. Secondly, is the misconception that God is mad at me. This comes from the harsh disciplinarian God. This is the image of the harsh disciplinarian God. He is the God in the sky with a very big stick. His primary goal is to watch over us and make sure we're punished for making mistakes and are going against his will. Our thoughts is that he uses personal tragedies such as sickness, death, accidents, and hardship to inflict these punishments. <clears throat> I suffered from this imagery right here. It affected me in my leadership for many, many years. I was brought up in a Catholic home. And when I was in first grade, you go to Holy Communion, your first Holy Communion. You guys know, remember that? And I remember... My dad had pulled in the parking lot, and he said, go to, <laughs> go to confession. I mean, if I was smart enough, I would have said, hey, how about you, dad, right? You know, um, just kidding. Um, but when I went to confession, I mean, the, the, the priest was pretty hard on me. I was probably like six or seven at the time, I'm thinking. And he gave me, for my punishment, he gave me 28 Our Fathers and 35 Hail Marys. <clears throat> That's a long time. <laughs> and I sat there in the church and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I finally got done and I ran, I was running out. <clears throat> and when I ran out of the church, there was Father Morgan. Father Morgan had these black rimmed glasses and they were over his nose and he kneeled down at me and he said this to me. He said, I haven't seen your father in a while. And I was like, and I ran to the car and I told my dad. <laughs> that affected me. Listen, that affected me for many, many, many years. There were times, listen, in my first ministry position that I would walk and I would need to talk to our senior leader and I'd walk and his door was closed. Listen, his door was closed and I would go to knock on it and something inside of me would say, you know what, you're going to get the same thing that Father Morgan did. He's going to be harsh. If you don't bother him. <clears throat> Listen, God wants to set us free from those kinds of images in our life. The third one is God is demanding. This is the perfectionist coach or the or the perfectionist father God. Again, I'm talking about a small G. The perfectionist coach, he's never satisfied with the believer. In order to develop a relationship with him, one must always try to do better and be better while realizing that it will never be good enough. I was watching football, junior football. My friend is a coach, and he's a pretty intense dude. And, 
and his son was playing quarterback and I remember his son throwing an incomplete pass on, on third down and they had to punt. And I remember, listen, I remember this, this picture vividly. My friend, as his son was coming off the sidelines, going like this, get over here, get over here right now, right? With that, some of us, listen, some of us, we feel like God is doing that same thing to us. Get over here right now so I can talk to you. How many know you can't draw close to a God like that? And fourthly, it's the God that doesn't care, the insensitive ruler. This God's sole concern is that he rules and command, his rules and commands are followed. He has no time for his subjects' pain or struggles. What counts is the bottom line, productivity. Feelings are unnecessary, obstacles to be ignored or denied. Some of us are struggling with our prayer life because of these false images we've created, whether it's through our pain, whether it's through people we've encountered, whether it's through struggles, whether it's through our upbringing. And listen, God wants to set you free this morning. God wants to set you free on this journey that we're going on. It might not happen instantly, but I'm asking you, is there anything, listen, that is filtering a healthy image of God in your life? You see, your image of God affects your intimacy with God. You see, you'll never be able to receive a promise from a God that is far away. You'll never be able to receive a promise from a God that is mad at you. You'll never be able to receive a promise from a God that is demanding. You'll never be able to receive a promise from a God that doesn't care. When, you've, when you have a misconceived idea about God, you will never be able to receive from the misconception about God you created, about that God you created. Exodus 20 verse 2 says, I am the Lord your God. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Listen to verse 3. You shall have no other God, small g, before me. Listen, what God in your life is robbing you from an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ? What God is robbing you of an intimate relationship with our Lord? You shall not make for yourself a carved image. How do you know we have images carved in our brain? Just like me with Father Morgan, I can picture that day right now. I've been set free from it, but I can, I can tell you exactly where I was. I can tell you exactly what I look like, but I'm not affected by it anymore. But for years, I had a carved image. Whenever I'd go to approach an authority figure in my life, I'd be intimidated. And that's how it affected my relationship with God. I couldn't draw close. You shall not make... For yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth, you shall not bow down to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, listen to this, am a jealous God. Listen, God is jealous for your worship. He's jealous for your intimacy. He wants it all to himself. It's time to stop sharing it with other gods. It's time to stop selling with those addictions. It's time to stop sharing it with whatever your hang-up is. Listen, God is here to loosen you. So how do we take the limits off of God? 
We have to have a correct, how do we correct our skewed view of God? Listen, we have to have a healthy view of Scripture. This is the second area. If you don't have a healthy view of God, I can guarantee you don't have a healthy grasp or view of Scripture. You see, God's Word is not optional. It must be obeyed. Three reasons, listen, there's three reasons why answers are delayed in prayer. Actually, I got four. You're praying, listen, but you're not obeying God's Word. You're praying outside of God's will. Listen, how do I know if I'm praying in God's will? I gave you a prayer just a few weeks ago straight out of Scripture. Listen, you're praying outside of God's will. God's Word reveals God's will. So if you don't know what to pray, pray the Word. Pray the Psalms. Pray what David prayed. Third, you're praying, and this is, listen, this is really a... most, not a whole lot of people experience this, but they always blame delayed answers on the devil. I remember one time my battery died. This was when I was a new believer. I was 19. And I went in the office, Leroy Dillon, and I said, man, the devil is attacking me. He's trying to stop me. Man, my battery died. And Leroy stopped me mid-flow. He had these big old hands, and he went like this. He said, Dean... That wasn't the devil. He said, your battery was old. (laughs) Come on, let's not give the devil credit for what he didn't do. (laughs) And lastly, you're praying, and the reason why you don't have an answer yet is that he's preparing you for the answer. If he released the answer to you now, you couldn't handle it. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, God has breathed life into all of scripture even Leviticus one of the messages I shared with the 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 search committee here I was reading Leviticus just kind of cruising through it saying Lord get me through this just help me and the Lord gave me an entire message from Leviticus it was a miracle God has breathed life into all the scripture. It is useful for teaching us what is true. It is useful for correcting our mistakes. It is useful for making our lives whole again. It is useful for training us to do what is right. Psalm 119, 37, 38. Turn my eyes away from worthless things. Preserve my life according to your word. Fulfill your promise to your servant so that you may be feared. You see, the Bible is just not a bestseller. The Bible is not just a book of do's and don'ts. The Bible is not just a history book. The Bible is just not good teaching. The Bible is God's word to us. It's God's word to us for today. It's the breath of God. And every time, listen, every time you open up God's word, you should anticipate God breathing life into you. Every time, listen, you open this book, you should say, Holy Spirit, breathe on your word. Maybe this morning you have some misconcepts about God, about what's going on in your life. But listen, you've made some assumptions about 
God, that are false. And I'm asking you today to allow God to breathe in your life through the word. Let him breathe into your marriage through the word. Let him breathe into your dead dream through the word. Let him breathe into your limited vision. Let him breathe into your limited prayer life this morning. In what area, area, whatever area of your life where there's a frustration or limitation, let God breathe into it through the life-giving word. When you have a thought about God that doesn't line up with the word of God, you can counter it with inspired truth. Frustration and limitation need to be countered by divine inspiration. Amen? So when you're frustrated and can't see God anywhere in your situation and the thought comes to your mind, God is far away, you quote Joshua 1.5 and says, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Listen, when you hear the lie that God is mad at you, you can say that's not what he's breathing life. That's not what he's breathing today. He's not mad at me. He's mad about me. Psalm 84.11 says, for the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing. Listen, no good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. When the picture comes into your mind that God is demanding too much from you, Psalm 103 verse 8 says, The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. When you hear the voice that tells you that God doesn't care, 1 Peter 5, 6 says, Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. How you view scripture, listen, determines the value of the promise you're believing for. It's not about your feelings. It's about the truth of his word. I'm a feeler. I'm a feeler. I'm just telling you. I'll I'll cry at a good commercial. But listen, sometimes your feelings are out of control. (laughs) And sometimes I got to go back to the word. Come on, and let my feelings be guided by truth. What you're feeling, Dean, isn't real. Oh, you're feeling that all right. But listen, my truth, my truth, let my truth guide you. Let my truth lead you. My Bible's falling apart. Lastly, I got four minutes. Are you guys ready? So we need a healthy, we need a healthy view of God. We need a healthy view of scripture. And lastly, we need a healthy view of ourselves. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. And the second greatest commandment is love your neighbor as. How you see yourself in God can either limit you or loosen you as well. Deuteronomy 1.28 says, Where can we go up? Our brethren have discouraged our hearts, saying, The people are greater and taller than we. The cities are great and fortified up to heaven. Moreover, we have seen the sons of Anakim there. Look at Numbers 13.31. But the men who had gone up with him, talking about the spies who went into the promised land to check it out, we're not able to go up against the people 
for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone as spies, it's a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. Verse 33. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak from the giants. Listen to this. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so were we in their sight. The Israelites were suffering from grasshopper syndrome. You see, how you see yourself in God, listen, can limit you in God. In Exodus, God speaks to Moses at the burning bush and says, Hey, Moses, you're going to be a leader to lead his people out of Egypt. And Moses begins to question himself and starts to list his limitations of his ability to lead. He says this, Who am I? God, what if they don't believe me? Exodus 4.10, it says, Then Moses said to the Lord, Oh, my Lord. How many of you ever got a case of the Oh, my Lord's? He said, oh, my Lord, I'm not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. He saw he suffered from grasshopper syndrome. Jeremiah, God calls him to be a prophet to the nations. God's spokesperson. And Jeremiah responds in verse 6 of Jeremiah 1, our Lord God. There it is again. Behold, I cannot, I cannot speak for I am a youth. In Judges chapter 6, the angel of the Lord appears to Gideon and greets him with, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. And Gideon responds. He catches the same sickness as Moses. Oh, my Lord. I think you have the wrong guy. You see, I was born in the wrong side of the tracks. You see, I'm from the camp of Manasseh. And besides that, I'm the loser of the family. And God says to him, surely I will be with you and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. Abraham and Sarah, way, way too old to be having kids. If there was ever a time when a promise about having a child was expired, how many know it's when you're 99 years old? And the thought of it makes you laugh. And what does God say to Abraham? He says this, is anything too hard for the Lord? Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation. We need a healthy view of God. We need a healthy view of Scripture. And we need a healthy view of our lives in Christ. This morning, I want to deal with false images. Maybe you're dealing with a small g God in your life. You've created this image and you don't know what it is. It seemed like a barrier that you can't break through. You've experienced limitations, maybe even financially, because you don't see God as a God who provides, but maybe a God who's leading you on. There's others of you, you you're, you're serving a God who seems to have you stuck in the same place and you've been in this place a long, long time. This morning, I want to just tell you that God is reaching out to you. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is reaching out to you this morning. 
with every head bowed and eye closed for just a moment, if you're dealing with a, a God, a small G in your life, something that you've created that maybe even through my preaching this morning, listen, you've just felt like, you know what, I've got to break this image. I've got to allow God to deal with this image of my life. If that's you, would you just lift your hand? Anybody in here, you're dealing, yes, 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 yes. Anybody else, you're dealing with a small G. Come on, it's a small G. It's a small G. Praise God. Praise God. Anybody else, you're just dealing with a small G. Small G God that's just dictated the direction of your life. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Would you be so brave to stand, those of you who lifted your hands? I want to do something. Would you just, just, just stand? Just stand. Just stand. Just stand. Yes, yes. Just stand. Just stand. Just stand. Well, those of you that you just look around, you see these folks standing around you, will you just lay hands on them for a moment? Let's just take time to rally around them this morning. Let's just pray. God, we thank you that you're the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And God, I ask you to exalt yourself in every life of these believers that are standing. God, I pray that you would loosen, that you would loosen their relationship with you. God, areas of limitation, God, would be taken off today. That, Lord, you would remove the ceiling. God, that you would remove the frustration. God, that today you would intervene and you would show yourself true. You are the true God. You are the true God. You are the true God. You are the true and living God today. Thank you, God. Lord, I pray that you would reveal yourself to each and every one of these people that had the boldness to stand and just say, I'm dealing. I'm dealing with a small G in my life. Just like I did, God, these folks are dealing. And I pray, God, that you would strengthen them, that you would empower them, and that you would reveal yourself to them in supernatural ways, God. Take away the barriers, Lord. Draw close to them as they're drawing close to you even now. In the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said.